Good morning. Welcome to the Old School podcast about the American education system, all of its qualities, its quirks, its traditions, its uh, standby ideas, things that they want to um, want to uh, put into place, those that have been put into place and failed miserably, our analysis of the same, and any other musings we have regarding the solutions that could make the American education system just slightly better. Good morning, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Good morning, Herr Miller. Um, I, I thought we just got on the call here and made jokes. I thought that was our purpose. Uh, we can do that. Uh, but you also have to accept the reality that while funny to the two of us, yeah, our reach might not be as far as you hoped. I don't know about that. I think funny is funny, and you're certainly funny here, Miller. I don't know. There have been times, as Edgar Allan Poe said, we have a singular wit. So, uh, <laughs> so perhaps, just, perhaps I'm not as funny as I think I am. Yeah, and maybe we just laugh at each other. Um, we're not thinking it's funny, but we're laughing at, at them for even saying it. And that's the laughter you hear on this. Perhaps that's all this podcast is, simply a self-appreciation uh, uh, venue by which you and I um, – you know, extol each other's senses of humors and witty uh and uh keen insights. Maybe that's what this whole thing is about. Uh, it feels that way. And, and so people enjoy listening to that, which is sort of odd, but um, it is odd. Um, well, we've, we've been at this for a while and it seems that we're coming upon a bit of a anniversary, if I recall. This is, as we speak, this is the 50th episode of the old school. That's now, a it, would lot of it would be interesting to know exactly yeah. where, like someone like Joe Rogan was at episode 50. <laughs> now, of course, Joe Rogan does have a, does have a couple of advantages over us. A couple? Just, that's all? Just a couple. Okay? okay. One is he knows famous people, and so... But even in around 50th episode, I think he was still hanging out in the back of uh, uh, comedy clubs, doing interviews with people and what have you. But uh, so perhaps there is room to grow. Of course, there's room to grow. But um, 50th episode, perhaps we are in good standing. Perhaps. Well, uh, I sometimes I, look at the the statistics and, and that's, a, that's a lot of episodes and we've had a lot of downloads. Um, we're, we've, we've touted how we're in multiple continents and countries. Um, and, um, so we, we do have a bit of a reach, you know, we have eight downloads from Russia of all places, you know, damn good and well, but those are bots. <laughs> there is no way it is not possible. It'd be the same thing. If you said we had listeners in China. I'm what? not saying that China can't afford to hear our message, just like I'm not saying that Russia can't afford to hear our message. By the way, we could bring peace to Russia if you just get rid of those oh. yahoos that are causing all the problems. It, but it wouldn't take long. Um, it wouldn't take long at all. We'd wrap that thing up in no time. But there is no way in hell that there are actual people in Russia listening to the old school. Um it, it's not like you can just pass and click through a, a podcast. I mean, you have to actually listen to it for it to be recognized in these analytics. And I stand by it. We have eight Russian listeners, and they could be regulars. Um, 
Is it we like the to... Germans though, where they're only listening to like two percent of the show? No, or... that, I missed that statistic. The two percent means they <laughs> represent two percent of our overall because uh. because um, we have a few in in Germany, but just just six. We have one Frenchman or French woman. Um, 17 in the United Kingdom. That's pretty good. Actually, one. I'd like, I'd like to think it's a French woman. Yeah. I, I, okay. We'll go with that. Yes. But but we have, we're popular in India. We have 13, um, a couple in Iran. So we're pop, no popular way. With, with the, yeah, we're popular with the Persians, I guess. No way in God's green earth for the love of ice cream. You cannot possibly imagine. Now, the French woman I'm going to buy. What? I may, I, may, I, may, I may even send a personal message. Uh, bonjour. But uh, Iran? Oh, well, I guess maybe so. Yeah, it's a cosmopolitan area. I'm still um, not. Deni- I'm still not buying the Russia bit. But well, you should. We, there, there, there's one from Kenya and Australia. We have six. So, I wonder who that one in Australia. I, I do know a few people in Australia, so it is possible. I am going to buy that one too. And for our friends in Australia, <laughs> good day, mate. So, oh, that's, no. Uh, <laughs> no, this is where I'm just kind of laughing at you, not with you. <laughs> you talk, you, are you telling me Australians don't really say that? You're not going to do no, and you're not going to do this for every country. I kind of try to. You know, I'm gonna find around. out. I'm gonna find out how to say "Welcome to the old school" in Hindi because apparently, although they probably speak English, since they're they, listening to yeah, the podcast, everybody but. does. Who doesn't? <laughs> um, what about we have a couple of listeners in in Japan? I know you know a little Japanese. Uh, I do. I do know a little <laughs> Japanese. I have spent. Uh, I was there on three different occasions. The first of which was perhaps not the most culturally rewarding. Uh, experience in Japan as I was in the military, but uh, still, it was a great time to be had by all, and I enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, konnichiwa, kinki desu ka. So, I'm surprised, I'm surprised you mentioned you, you you had radio silence about a lot of those years here, Miller. You've admitted now that you've been in Japan. I've been, uh, I've been, as in the words of the great uh, poet Johnny Cash, I've been everywhere. So. 27 countries and counting, I believe. So that's that's made up right there. No, no, no. So I was in Japan, uh, like I said, three times once uh, with the military, uh, checking out the stylistic musings of Okinawa, and then uh, twice in quote unquote mainland uh, Japan, even though Japan doesn't technically have a mainland, it's just a bunch of islands still. I think we all get the picture. Uh, two, Two times in the island of Honshu in the city of Nagoka. So <laughs> you're making these, these <laughs> up. Um, and I'm believing you because I don't know any better. I, I've been, I've been all over the world. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, so I, I, so certainly it's possible my, that our appeal could be international. I was also about to say my appeal, but I'm sure you have some as well. I'm pretty big with the Russians. I've heard. Um, that's that's what I say. That too loud. We're going to get canceled. Um, yeah, that Maybe would be great. I, I would consider that a badge of honor. It uh, might up the viewer, the listenership, if we got canceled. Yeah, I mean, maybe just, we should say we got canceled. Yeah, some stunt like that is about the only thing that will save us. <laughs> Taking drastic measures. So, so I, I guess we we don't 
we do have a topic, um, but the topic is our podcast. And way back when we we had some goals, and you 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 say all this stuff at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> you use the word foible. You talk about musings and, and so forth. But listening to that, what are we really doing here? You know, what? Why do we spend you know an hour every Saturday? recording these what are we hoping to accomplish well for me i just think there's a lot of things that um uh, that parents um of school aged children uh just don't think about i mean there's a lot of machinations that are happening behind the scenes sometimes on stage but still may not be clear as to what's happening why it's happening what is the impact that it has on education and so at least from my point of view, I think part of what we're doing here is to be able to explain what their students are experiencing. Is it the best way to experience an education? And if not, what could possibly be a better solution? Now, of course, every solution has to fit the parameters of the reality of a situation. I have been in different schools, from inner city schools to suburban schools to what have you. And so with each school, I think you're going to have different demands. You're going to have different problems to overcome, and you're going to have to have different ideas. Um, you're, going to, you're going to have different ideas kind of thrown at you as to what works here, what works there. And that's, you know, to some extent, that's what we're doing. We're looking at some of these ideas, some of them time-tested and proven, others perhaps more recent in its uh, conception, and implementation, but nevertheless, perhaps not a good idea. And so, uh, you know, from a parent point of view, you know, parents have expertise in other areas. You know, it could be education, but more likelihood is in other some other field of endeavor. And so, for us to be able to apply our craft, to utilize our intellect and experiences, to you know, provide insight on what's actually happening in the school, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think in general that's what we're doing. Well, it, it seems like we're we're trying to uncover some things that appear obvious, um, but but we're suggesting that they need a, a harder look. And you know, we 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 have a method to this, and and we 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 tend to not just look at outcomes, but look at how what it does to the people involved, particularly to teachers. So I I, I would say that we're this podcast is is teacher centered. I, I mean, I look at all those listeners, and I, you know, we're just guessing. We don't have the analytics behind this to say these are parents listening to us. But you know, many people have multiple roles, so these are teachers who are also parents, or maybe administrators who are. Everybody's a parent who listens to us, unless they're maybe our former students who are just getting a kick out of hearing us talk, <laughs> giggling. Yeah, something like that. But Mr. Miller's voice sounds funny on the computer. Yeah, but for example, <laughs> my goodness. Um, but we, I mean, I, I've heard that you can open up a podcast and actually receive comments and messages and find out who's you know engage with the the folks. We intentionally didn't want to do that. We wanted this to be a one way conversation. <laughs> we don't, we, we don't want to get our dander up, you know, arguing with people. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem to have a point. 
you know, we're, but we're laying out a, a case. We're basing it on our experience, our reading, you know, research that we've done, um, and and hopefully we've 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 made a, f- a few points multiple times. And it seems like we we do that. We we come back to testing a lot, um, and we're, and we're trying to uncover some of the hidden costs of you know, doing school as school is done today. Well, I think. Um... I think initially the reason why we did not have a mechanism by which someone could comment is that both you and I are remarkably ignorant on how to do that. Oh, come on. Uh, I I work with technology all day. I'm tech forward. You're not tech forward. If you are, you're hating yourself because of it, I think. No, uh, if you know the applications I have with my business, I have dashboards. I'm, I'm doing coding. You know, See, for, the fact for, that you called it applications, and you might as well have said, I'm on the World Wide Web, because no, all the cool the, kids are saying apps. Well, that, the, come on. Uh, <laughs> applications are, are, are platforms that I use for my business. You know, I'm not physically coding, but I'm doing a lot of complicated things and using the work of others and calling it my own, essentially. Um but but yeah, I think I think we should maybe revisit that. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts now about comments? Because I know the people listening, they've built up over fifty episodes. You know, the idea that <laughs> I want to tell them something, you know, they're flat out wrong. Maybe um, the amount of you know, times that listeners have been uh, tapped into our podcast, maybe while yeah. in the car, just like punching the dashboard and the steering yeah, wheel. I, you know, well, that's what we're looking for. Um, you know, or a few people just saying, yeah, right. And they, you know, they say it, I've been thinking it, but they said it finally. Uh, that's what we're hoping. Can we just leave it at that? Um, just us fantasizing about who, you know, the, the audience. The they argue with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, the but, problem is, the problem is we would need a social media presence. <laughs> um with regards to the podcast so that people could comment. Um, Are you I willing think, to go down that road? No, I think the platform itself has, has a, has features for comments. Cause I turned it off into, you know, I, I, it was a default setting and we, we definitely turned that one off, but I think it depends on the, on the platform, but there are, I mean, podcasts are, ubiquitous and, and people comment on podcasts, but that's a way to build, listenership build interest uh, but you have to be willing to read some things that you don't want to hear oh, God. See. all right fine. <laughs> um, i mean what i mean professors out there who will think that they're taking us to task you know and saying you know I th- you know, you don't understand this this problem it's a real simplified uh argument the two of you are making and here's why um kind so of ostentatious would we have to respond to every comment? Um, it would be really weird if they wrote comments and we didn't, you know, even, I the, mean, dumb, maybe even the dumb comments. Well, they could message with, with each other, but it's not like we're rock stars here, you know, and it's not like we'd get that many comments. You could just say <laughs> nice point. Thanks every time. How about that? I appreciate your support. That's right. Um, <laughs> Thank it, you it for listening. Tedious. Yeah, then, then, yeah, and there wouldn't be many more listeners. We we could alienate people with our comments, or um, or we can hire like an eighteen year old, or you know, 
to, to, right, you're saying that an 18 year old has the ideas and could hold up to professorial comments. I mean, they could, they could help. If, all, the we're, if all we're saying is thank you for listening or <laughs> no, appreciate your support. No, that was totally joking. <laughs> but the thing is, um, for, I would say, you know, 40% maybe of the things that we talk about, we disagree. You know, maybe 30, it depends on what we're getting into. So we don't have a response um, com combined. Um, so that would be a little odd because you would respond and then I would say, well, that's, that's a pile of crap. You know, what he's thinking is totally stupid. Here's the real answer. So we'd be Jane, arguing with Jane, each other. You ignorant? No. <laughs> yeah, it would be just us, you know, bickering kind of like we do now, but it would be now in writing and a little bit more, more public. We could be like the modern day podcast version of the odd couple. And we have okay. had we have had previous supervisors who have suggested the same <laughs> that you and I were some sort of uh don't you have a cough button? Um no, no. I'm okay. coughing right in there. Um, <laughs> Felix and Oscar. Yeah, we could be Felix. I I think it's clear that you are Felix. Yes, I always like Felix. I'm more of the slovenly sports obsessed <laughs> Oscar. The man's man, common man's man. A okay, member so, of the Hoy Polloi. So how did we get to talking about Oscar Madison? Uh, <laughs> we, were, we had a, a point a minute ago. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, is I think I think part of the reason why people like to tune in for those who do, I think part of the reason they like it is because of the interaction between you and I. And I think part of that interaction has a odd couple like dynamic to it. And perhaps that has also been a definition of our friendship over the years that we are very much not the same kind of people yet somehow we still find plenty in common. So that, that, that is the case. And, and so we, but we, but we're also incredibly respectful of each other. You know, I mean, um, in all seriousness. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's just how we roll, but, but, you know, imagine us in the public debate, you know, I, I would probably lose uh, patience pretty quickly, uh, but, but maybe not. I mean, the thing is we have some really intelligent people and, and we know who a lot of them are uh, who have, you know, sent some comments offline and, you know, we have some regular listeners who after every episode will, will message us. And, and, and so that conversation is really, really valuable, but maybe it should be kept private um, as opposed well, to going out because um, you there's know, a problem with comments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The problem with comments, at least how it plays itself out, like you said, we have a much more elevated, a much more, uh, um, a much more dignified group of listeners, not the sort to resort to some of the antics you might find in other comment sections and other mediums. Right. Yeah. These are grownups. Yes. So perhaps now that I think about it upon further reflection, yeah, perhaps this is the this is exactly the kind of people until we start getting big like Joe Rogan. Then I think you're going to see a drop in the average uh, anything, you know. So, I mean, we, as long as we got our core group here, here in the beginning. But I think once you get as big as Joe Rogan, which I assume we will be here in the few years, perhaps we stop listening to comments at that point. Well, uh, let's explore it. Um, okay. But, there, I mean, it's a relevant debate, and 
you know, pretty soon, you know, at some point, and I'm not sure when for you, but we'll be out of the classroom, you know, and assuming we continue doing this, you know, three, four, five years into the future, we'll definitely be two people, two outsiders. I mean, I'm, I'm in education, my business and, um, but, but it would be great to hear from people. I mean, and we've talked about having guests and we really need to do more of that. True. We need, but we need to hear from some of these people who are in the, in the trenches, um, maybe who have a different experience than us, you know, maybe in the elementary university setting. Well, we tried this before. I, I do have, and you have contacts certainly at the university level. Yeah. It has yeah. been a rather comical uh, continuing joke about the notion of getting elementary school teachers on here because that does not seem possible, but um, who knows? I don't know. I, I like the idea though, especially of getting more guests if for no other reason, but to break up the monotony of listening to the two of us talk all the time. Yeah. It's gotta, gotta be old uh, at some point um, for sure. Um, but I, I, but I really enjoy you know, quizzing you about, you know, teaching because you're in the classroom and, and, and like, for example, this weekend for um, six more months, I'm in the classroom. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. So you, you can't announce that officially until it's decided here, Miller. Well, I don't think that was an official announcement. I didn't step up to a podium, for example, but the, uh, the, the name of our platform is podium. Uh, oh, okay. Like, Sorry. No, not, not really. <laughs> uh, but, um, so, so you're a, a full-time teacher and this is your, your weekend. Um, so are, are you going to watch sports all day today and all day tomorrow? Is that how, how it works? Nope. Uh, well, normally um, that might be how it works, but it's not working that way this weekend. Oh, what, what, what would you have to be doing this weekend? Well, this weekend, as we talked about, I think last week or two weeks ago or whatever, um, I'm grading essays. So I, I, I came home yesterday from school with about 150 essays under my arm. And that is what I'm, that's what I was doing. Uh, the minute before you and I touched base prior to this podcast, one minute after this podcast is completed and our phone call is over, I will be going back to the essays. And so, you know, it's, we, we talked about the idea about what teachers do and, you know, especially like in other countries where, you know, teachers have home offices, but it's not like for show, they actually work in the home offices, you know? So that's what my uh, home office is used for. And I kind of flutter around the, the house as far as great, where I grade my essays, but uh, it includes my home office. And, you know, this is part of the, this is part of the gig. I mean, certainly if you're going to be teaching history, or, you know, language arts or what have you. Essays are a part of the, it's an occupational, uh, occupational um, characteristic is grading essays. And so that's what I'm going to be doing this week. I have a friend of mine from Ecuador. She was telling me, she says, can't you just have someone else look at them, help you out? And I was like, no, it doesn't work that way. And then she said, can't you just skim it? And I said, no, can't skim it, you know, because you can't skim because if you do that, then on what basis are you making comments to try to improve the kid as an, as a history writer? So there's, there's a lot that goes into it and it's a tedious mind numbing on some level exercise made more problematic by the fact that I don't have much of an attention span. 
And so <laughs> I have to kind of break my my uh, essay up. I had to break it up a little bit, you know, where maybe I do 15 at a time and then have a 30 minute break and do another 15. And it seems like it's not very productive or efficient, but it's my system. So, well, I, I picture you watching LSU while you're grading, uh, at least having it on mute and then turning it up when it gets interesting and hopefully not writing comments about the officials in your <laughs> notes to your, your students. Um, I, I can't say that's never happened. Yeah. So, well, um, you've just identified a potential business venture and maybe this is what you'd like to do long-term is grade papers. Um, why not outsource it to experts and scale it up and, and they can be the graders and the teacher can spend their time preparing to teach. And, I just uh, wonder what would be the costs of oh. getting someone else to read 150 essays. I know one thing. Yeah. I would not do that. Would you pay for it? Okay. How much would you pay if you had a history teacher of uh, high caliber who would grade these papers for you, these 120 papers? What would you pay them? It'd probably have to be per essay, wouldn't it? Yeah. Would, yeah. The, so, would the so, scale be per essay? Yeah. So let's say you have 100. What would you, yeah, what would you pay? God bless it. That's a lot of money. Well, a hundred dollars? I didn't say a well, no, dollar. Yeah. I, I think it would be more than that. If you're because talking about that, what are we talking about? Like five bucks an essay? How much is it? How much time does it take you to grade an essay? When I'm on a roll, it takes me about two minutes. Two minutes? This is superficial grading. No, um, it's not you're probably grading grade. now. When I make a speech on this show, you're probably reading an essay. That's, when know. I'm when I'm making when I'm grading an essay, yeah. the, the initial reading of it takes about two minutes. And then I have comments and then I make uh, suggestions that might take another five minutes and then so I'm off to the next paper. So eight minutes um, mm. per essay. And, and that's really a superficial reading here, Miller. I think you'd spend more time. Um, but if, but if we're paying somebody for 10 minutes, they could do six an hour, something like that. And I bet you do about 10 an hour. Is that right? Mm, I do between 10 to 15 an hour. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're narrowing in on, on what, what we would, you know. But it couldn't up. be me. That's why I could never do, like, for example, for the AP classes, they have yeah. they have readers. Right. And so during the summer, uh, a bunch of, for example, a bunch of AP U.S. history teachers gathered together um, uh, somewhere. I think it's Kansas City this year, or maybe that's World History, this meeting in Kansas City. But then they just basically take over a hotel and then they take over all the the various, you know, the Alamo room and, you know, so many other different rooms that are in the <laughs> hotel lobby area. And yeah. then um, and then they just sit there and they grade for eight to 10 hours a day going through, you know, anywhere between 800 to 1000 essays um, per day. And it's a shocking number to me. I cannot imagine a hell more demoralizing than that it's the one part of my job i hate the most but they do it's it for, the they, they don't get paid for that do they oh uh yes they do get paid a little bit AP yes graders get a, a, a stipend it's that's what it amounts to it's a stipend now it's a nice mm -hmm. stipend you know it's a couple hundred bucks or something like that but it's um and you're also somewhere else get you out of the house for a little bit but you learn 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 about the ap test and you know but also these are blind grading and they have multiple graders on each paper don't right. they well well not, well not necessarily on the same paper 
Yeah. So like, uh, so, so the readers are broken up into tables. Each table has a table leader and then has a handful of other teachers grading. Uh, then they, they just basically start reading. They grab a bunch of essays and they start reading. If there are questions about an essay, a, a reader can ask another reader. If there's a conflict between those two ideas, then the table reader gets into it. Although the vast majority of the essays are essays that are mostly agreed upon. So there's not, much controversy, but it does happen on a regular basis. So, um, and then that's how they work through the, uh, how they work through the, uh, through the essays. Uh, the table reader is responsible for getting with other table leaders and kind of like the head of it. If there's any adjustment that needs to be made as to how certain essays are graded, then that is done as well. So it's a, it's a kind of a multi-layered and you got people at home grading, they're grading maybe short answer essays or short answer questions. And these papers are coming from all over the country, all over the world, because international schools do AP classes as well. So it's a it's a fairly cosmopolitan, multi-layered, highly efficient uh, uh, setup that goes through the essays at the end of the year. Well, it, the whole idea of that and the, the underlying goal is to give each student for each test a one, two, three, four, or a five for Correct. the full test. And and they're not going to get any feedback. They just get the number and the teachers get the number. I mean, I, there, there are times when you get to look at their, their responses for the open-ended, but you don't get, they don't get feedback. So it's just taking something and putting a number on it. You wonder if a, computer at some point would be able to grade an AP essay because they're not, I mean, they are so structurally similar student to student um, that that could happen at some point, which makes this even more absurd. Uh, but <laughs> all of that work to get to just get a number and the student then ha has this AP score. And I, I think what we've been saying all along is that it, it might be nice to let students know a little something. I mean, those comments you're making, I think, are important. They may not read them, but well, there's that too. To say. At least you're trying. Um, but um, anyway, it's a it's a huge task, and ultimately, it's trying to take something um, and turn it into a number. Yes, uh, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to brass tacks, it is a number between one and five, and. Um, as far as like feedback, I mean, there certainly are some superficial feedback that a kid could potentially get. Um, you know, as far as like the breakdown of the grade, I think that I think that's how it. I think that's what they see or they can see. Do they get that? So they know about the open ended, the whatever for you, the document analysis. I must um, admit, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I don't think. Well, that so they clearly, you don't get it. I mean, because if again? you could get it, if you could get it, you would be acting on it. Because maybe your your students are doing well on the multiple choice, but not on the rest. So you don't even get that as a teacher, is that right? But see, the thing is, is that when I when it comes to the scores, I, I'm even slow on reading what the scores are. Because at some level, I don't. It's not that I don't care, but anything that they do on an essay and on the AP exam whether they're good at this or bad at that, I already know that answer. 
because I've been doing essays with them over the course of the last year. I, I have I have no reason. I mean, some people do look at it, but I have no particular reason to spend a lot of time looking at the particulars of a kid's score. I already know what they do. I already know what it's going to look like um, unless they do something remarkable between the last essay I give them and then several weeks later when they do the AP exam. I mean, I already have a fairly good idea about what they're going to do. So okay. as far as like looking at the AP scores, when they come out, usually they come out the first week of July. If I have a, 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 a desire to see more than just their overall grade, okay, I could do that, but I, mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't feel a particular reason to do it. Well, I have a question. I'm, I used to do something, and probably you've done this too, where you do Scantron. You scan multiple choice items, and before you you look at the name on it, and you scan it, say there are 50 questions. You guess what you anticipate, the, or you anticipate the score, and then for me, I'm within two points on about 90% of them because I see the kids, I know what they're going to have. And there are no surprises, you know, or rarely, maybe just for a few. Mm -hmm. um, are you, is there ever a misalignment between how the students do in your course and then suddenly they ace, you know, get a five or worse yet, get a two or a one when you expected a four? How, how, how much do they keep uh, on what your, your expectations were? Well, this goes a little bit into what we talked about um the last episode or two episodes ago where, you know, a lot of my students have access to Quizlets online. Right. And, um, you know, we talked about the idea that how during quizzes, I will change things up as far as the actual question goes to try to, you know, make sure that indeed they do know what they're talking about. Um, and then on the tests, you know, kids are memorizing questions. And so I think, there are some kiddos who, you know, do well in the class, but don't necessarily do well in the AP exam or more likely to happen. They do well on multiple choice questions, but they do poorly on say essays. Okay. Well that, that you know, you, you could run some numbers and I, I would, I, I may want to study this because it's, um, pretty straightforward. If you, you can run a correlation, I mean, a student's grade in a class is on a scale of, you know, zero to a hundred, right? Right, right. Um, and then the AP is on a one to a five. Correct. And so you can certainly, I mean, these are scaled variables. You could run a correlational analysis uh, overall and by teacher and find out which teachers are, you know, underperforming and overperforming and, and what the association is with, with those scores. But uh, I think it is relevant because it, um, it, it leads back uh, to some extent to, to the teacher. And, and are they assessing well, you know, during that school year? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things that, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that goes into, you know, looking at scores. Again, this is stuff we talked about before, but I mean, the notion of competition that kind of creeps into it, at least from the school level. And so, yes, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of ways that an inventive, creative kid can find to get around the work associated with an AP class. Now, it doesn't particularly help them when they go in front of the test, but I mean, it certainly is something that they could spend time doing. And yeah. teachers have a choice. They can either 
kind of spin around like a rabbit or a hamster on a wheel trying to find the different ways that a kid is cheating or can cheat. Or at some point, you just do your job, you do it to the best of your ability, and you hope that they get something out of it. Uh, you hope that they take the most honest approach to it. You know, but ultimately, how they choose to use it and how they choose to interact with it is largely out of your control. And so, to you know, to a certain extent, and I'm not that I'm, it's not that I'm ambivalent to what's happening. On the contrary, however, I think that there's a limit to which you can affect change with that. And so, uh, I do what I can as far as what I'm what I what I have the ability and the time and the effort to do. And the, talking about how we kind of mess with the quizzes a little bit, try to keep them guessing a little bit. Uh, but, you know, again, kids will continually try to find the shortcuts. And ultimately, it is on it is their legacy as to how that all plays out. Well, um, grading is, is really something that we come back to a lot and, and we have for these 50 episodes and assessment, certainly. Um, I don't know if I've given this example, but may, maybe maybe it's new. Sometimes we run into something new under the sun here. Um, but I remember um, students you know, who, who potentially are doing really poorly out of the gate uh, and then improve over time. And, and you've, you've talked about that in your, your class. Um, there's something about getting that first win, you know, for a student where they do well and then then something changes and then they, you know, imagine ninth graders in high school, you know, they get off to a bad start. Um, I hope that's something that, that happens that you see, because you mentioned before that traditionally your first test is, you know, students do poorly and then they get better. And we've talked about how parents react and you're conversations but is that the case that um, when they're in your class uh, they, they figure it out and when does it kind of click in well it depends on the student it is a kind of a joyous thing and it is perhaps one of the more rewarding aspects of this job is when a kid does get it or when a kid does figure out how to write an essay how to create an argument how to provide proof how to provide connections within an essay or simply in the understanding of the day-to-day -day happenings within the classroom. Um, that's part of that realization of how to think historically. And so, yes, it is an amazing experience to, to see, and it is affirming in many ways, both for myself personally, but certainly to the perseverance of the kid who decides they're not going to give up, but they're going to try to figure out a way to understand what's happening. And so, on those on those uh, on those merits, I mean, uh, yes, it's a it's a pretty rewarding experience to see. Well, as you kind of hit the the twilight of your teaching or your approach, it at least um, those are probably some things that you'll miss because you don't get that in real life you know, that, that kind of interaction. I mean, if you're a coach or a teacher, you do get to see improvement. You have these moments with, with students where it all kind of comes together, but you have a lot of frustrations along the way. Mm. You probably won't, won't miss that, but I, I, I imagine you know, that that will be something. It, it took me some time. I've been out of the classroom since, I guess, 20, 2013, I believe, 2012, 2013, 
and uh, it, it took a little time to to get over that because you had the rhythm of the school year you had interactions with, with students a lot of people hanging on your every word you know all day and there's something that builds your self-esteem when that happens um, but eventually it that part fades away the stress fades away and you you can transition um, but it's been such a big part of your life and it was of mine that it's you know, I think that those are the types of things. And then, then the individual students, you know, for me, um, there comes a point where you start forgetting their names and they all kind of become one in, in a way, but you <laughs> but you remember uh, certain students, you know, and you always will. And, uh, you know, that, and that, uh, that says something, you know, because we've been in front of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of students over the years, a, a few of them left their mark, I guess. Hmm. Well, I have given some thought to what it means to leave the classroom. And I think when you're younger and you have your entire career ahead of you, you usually think of retirement in one of two ways. Either one is just not something you think about because you're committed, devoted to the job. And in, in your worldview at that particular moment, it is the job. And so to think outside of it uh, is not particularly helpful because you're going to be in it for a while. Or, you know, you're thinking about it as a time to come when you'll be able to step away and maybe do something else or maybe not do anything at all. Um, and, but as you get closer to it and you start to consider the things that you're going to miss and the things that you're not going to miss, I think the kids are probably the, because I like hanging, I like, I like teaching teenagers. I like hanging out with teenagers. I think they're funny. I think they're smart. I think they're, uh, they can provide a certain energy. It certainly keeps me young on a certain level. Um, no matter if my my body's breaking down, the knees hurt, the back hurts, the hips hurt, you know, and if I feel old in every other sense of the word, mentally, spiritually, you know, in my heart, in my heart of hearts, I feel still young. And I think that it's a byproduct of hanging out with teenagers all the time. Um, and so you're going to miss that. And the question is, do you start getting older mentally, spiritually, all those other things, once you step away, it is a question that I've considered, you know, what does that actually do for me personally to step away from that vibrancy, that energy, that creativity? Uh, and not that I don't have other creative, energetic folks around me, adults that I know, but it is something that is a constant source of affirmation. And then there are many kids, uh, more than I ever would have thought, who send emails, write cards, uh, write letters, parents who do the same because either I taught their student or I took their student to Germany or something along those lines where they've seen a growth, they've seen a maturation, they've seen a, a kind of better version of their kid that was gained partly from my efforts, either in the classroom or in Germany. And those are you know, some teachers post those up in their classroom. I don't do that. You know, I, right. I, I hang on to mine, but I, I don't post them. But they're deeply personal and they're deeply affirming. And it makes you think, OK, I'm not I don't suck at my job. I, you know, I, I you know, kids are getting something out of it, you know, to hear stories about how what happens in my classroom is the source of dinner table conversation. 
the idea of, well, you know, a, a student suggesting, hey, I have this interest in this topic that we we're talking about today. And, and then you find out later that they and their family decided to go visit someplace that was connected to that interest. And I cannot tell you how many times I received uh, photographs from students as they travel around the world and they say, hey, here's that painting. We talked about that one time in class. And I had two young ladies who took a picture of themselves in front of a painting in the Louvre in Paris. And so or I had another student who took a picture uh, at the gravesite of Dred Scott's wife, the uh, the slave who was the kind of the center of a court case about the nature of slavery right before the war. You know, all these all these experiences these kids have are either motivated by or enriched by the things that I do in the classroom. And that's a pretty powerful thing, you know. Oh, it is. It's, it's, it's heady stuff. Um, uh, I know we, every once in a while we bring up, maybe we haven't, Mr. Holland's opus, you know. Which, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, there, you, get, you give me a little chuckle. But there, there is a, a scene at the end where, I mean, for... 20, 25 years of teaching, you see an auditorium filled with um, current and former students packing right. the auditorium. And I, I think, you know, a lot of teachers who are retiring have a, they all have a packed auditorium, you know, that uh, is, is really powerful. And sometimes we, we get caught up in the, the, the current, you know, the school year and those students, but, but you do have a, a lot of, individuals you've influenced and they, they could be imagined, you know, for everyone, if that happened, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the adult that they become. Um, and that, and that's one of the reasons that we teach also, you know, is to see that, that teenager become a 30 year old. I mean, now I have former students in, in their forties and I mean, really much older, um, cause I, I taught for a long time. Right. Um, but there's something about that just to, even if it doesn't happen, because it can't probably, but uh, the the image of that, you know, is sort of heartening because you're you're making a, a big difference. And I would say a, a half or a third of those students are really yours, meaning others had other teachers that were, you know, more prominent in their lives. But there there is that core in the mm-hmm. auditorium that 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 were kind of your people, and you were their their uh, mentor. Well, I think that last scene is kind of a physical representation of the, what that impact looks like. And like right. you said, it's not possible for every student or every teacher. And I probably wouldn't want to be a part of that either. I think I'd be very uncomfortable, you know. But oh, I, really? I, I, I can see you being uncomfortable, but um, I, I would just like like to see how they all turned out, you know. Well, sure, and yes. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to have conversations with, you know, all of them? <laughs> you know, what, what happened after high school, what was your course of, you know, and it probably has nothing to do with the subject you taught at all. You know, I think, yeah, I think I have seen that, you know, like I said, through messages that students have left, uh, although, you know, it's just, it, it is interesting because if indeed this is my last year, which it looks like it might be, then, you know, that last day of school where yeah. typically they do some sort of, uh, well, usually at the last day of the school, which is na- this is only a teacher work day, to kind of finalize grades, hand them in, turn in everything, that sort of thing. At our school, they have like a luncheon. Oh. And during that luncheon, they will recognize, you know, people reaching milestones of service, like 10 years, 15 years, what have you. And then there's also a special little ceremony for people who are retiring. And there's a there's praise and adulation and, you know, 
festive uh, atmosphere all around. But if it happens this year, I will not be there that last day. And I'm just fine with that, you know, because <laughs> you because planned I, a trip trip to Europe. Um, I, yes. It's, uh, I, have to, I have to leave. I have to leave on that last day. So, right. uh, but I'm okay with that. You know, I, I, I find, I find that level of uh, attention drawn to myself, very uncomfortable. Oh yeah. And, I, and we, we talked about this when we left, when I left the job that you and I shared, um, I basically just told everybody the last day that I was leaving and then I left and there was talk about having a chair with balloons attached to it. And, you know, and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, there's no way in hell I'm sitting in that chair with balloons on it. And then, so, um, but also just the record, you know, I still though recognize that there's an impact left and hopefully uh, that can be said of me. Um, but uh, yeah, nevertheless, I'm willing to endure um, the pangs of reminiscence over what I did do and what I did achieve and what I did create um, and the influences I might have imparted upon other people. Yet at the same time, look forward to maybe doing something that looks a little bit different, but perhaps just as rewarding. Well, it's good that you're talking through and preparing. It's not unlike the end of baseball season, you know, it's rather, uh, rather sudden, you know, it stops, right? Especially if your team's not going into the playoffs and it stops. Uh, yes. The, the train hits the final destination <laughs> rather quickly. In July. Yes. And so, yeah, well, yeah. So <laughs> luckily for me, my team uh, managed to be relevant up to the very end. And that, that in and of itself is a remarkable achievement and perhaps signifies a promise of a coming day. But, but, um, uh, but yes, the, the, the chilled, the chilled environs of fall bring to a close the baseball as does the expectancy of summer brings it into the school year. And in this case, perhaps a career. Yes. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'm just waxing philosophically. Well, I was waiting for your next line. That you were elevating to a high level there. <laughs> and you interrupted yourself with uh, humor. Well, um, <laughs> um, well with that um, wonderful speech, um, we're concluding our 50th episode, and we'll be we'll 50 do episodes 50, in the can. Yeah, in the can, and we'll we'll do 50 more. And um, God willing, we'll yeah, we might get comments from people we might invite elementary teachers to be interviewed it'll never happen but but either way you're gonna sit through mr miller's opening about foibles and uh i'll try to make snarky comments to get us going and off and and then it always uh, yeah and then it it's like 40 minutes this one's 51 minutes that at least for us goes by very quickly. It does. Uh, so hopefully the same experience for the listeners. <laughs> well, with that, we shall say adieu, and I will say Auf Wiedersehen, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Auf Wiedersehen, Herr Miller. <laughs>